Well, Father, I pray that those words would ring true in our heart, that we would understand your beauty and your majesty and how you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and that he waged the battle and he won the war that we could not even begin to take part in at that time because he loved us so much. He was obedient to your will, that he exited heaven and he came down 100% God, 100% man, and he died on the cross. He stayed on the cross bearing the weight and the burden and the death that our sins caused. And he served that purpose and he went to the grave. But God, we celebrate the fact that he did not stay there, that Jesus is our resurrected King. He is our resurrected Savior. And God, we can stand before you now righteous and redeemed because we have put our faith and trust in Christ. We pray today, God, in the midst of everything that we are going through in our own personal lives, with the burdens we bring in, that, God, we would cast them at your feet and that you would speak to us today through your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. And I'm going to warn you, uh, about every 18 months... Uh, you get this, and I have no clue why Built Up is on there. Do we have the wrong slides? Or did somebody mess up our slides again this week? <laughs> we, the sermon title is not Built Up because that was last week's sermon title. We've had a number of issues uh, with our new program, but the simple fact is our sermon title today is Generous in Action. So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, flip to there, we're going to load this up, there we go, for some reason it wasn't on there, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6, if you'll stand with me, we're going to read, and we're going to read all the way through verse 15, you'll be able to follow along uh, above on the screen, if you do not have a Bible, that's okay, we'll print it off uh, on the screen for you, so you'll be able to follow along, so follow along with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6, and listen to what he says, remember this, all right, in other words, hey, here's a key thing, if I tell you I want you to remember something, Remember this, all right? This is Paul. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap what? Sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, not even under compulsion. So hear me out today. When you hear me talk about finances and giving, this is not a guilt trip upon you. This is not an idea to force you into doing what you're called to do, I believe by scripture, but you should give out of, listen to this, not under compulsion, not reluctantly, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right? So I give cheerfully. All right? Verse 8, and, he, and, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad the gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. In verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. 
Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace of God, the, the, the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this or for his indescribable gift. Let's pray and then you can be seated. Father, we pray today again that your word would not obviously leave void. We know it doesn't return void, but God, I pray that the words I speak would not be out of a heavy heart, but out of the sheer compassion and love that you showed to us first and foremost through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we discussed and we're wrapping up our vital signs series. Now, for those of you who haven't been here, we know what vital signs are. When I go into the doctor, they're going to take vital signs, whether it's heart rate, heart uh, or blood pressure. They're going to take my temperature and all those things. But a doctor can determine whether you're healthy or not by looking at those things. If my heart rate is through the roof, either A, I'm in a stressful situation, or B, I'm unhealthy, or maybe See both, you know, it's, it's a both end. And the reality is that what we've looked at is there are six signs that we believe that are evident in a church that is alive, that is healthy, that is a maturing and multiplying church, in other words, a body of Christ. And here's the six or the five, and then we're going to jump into number six. I'm going to put these up here on the screen so you know. Number one, we said a vital sign, number one, is a desire for God and his word. We have to have a desire for his word. That's the truth of what's going on. So as we desire that, hey, Ethan Grout, wake up. You got to pay attention, buddy. I'm going to be all over my son. Come on. There we go. All right. Desire for God and his word. Number two, there's an urgency to get people to Jesus. A healthy church sees who Jesus is, sees the need for Jesus within the culture, and so there's an urgency to get people to Jesus. Number three, there's a, a craving to contribute to the body. Now, we didn't talk about giving at that point, contributing meaning I bring something to the table. Every one of you, every one of us has value and purpose and meaning because God created you that way. Don't let the world tell you you have no hope, you have no purpose, and you have no meaning because God created you with purpose, with value, and meaning so you can be a contributor within his body. Number four, we said there's a persistence to guard the unity. We have to guard the unity. So we said, hey, we don't want to focus on gossiping. We want to work being unified around the gospel, being unified to be obedient to what God has called us. Last week, we said a, a healthy church always prepares its members for works of service. The unhealthy aspect is this. Most people enter the church and think it's the pastor's job to do it all. When if you read Ephesians chapter 4, it says, no, 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 no. It's the pastor's job to prepare God's people for works of service. So in reality, who does the ministry? The people of the church. It's the pastor's and the teacher's job to prepare us to do the works of service. And so we understand a good, healthy, biblical idea of what goes on in that. And then today is this, number six, it's something we've got to dig in and understand, is this. A healthy church generously supports the work of the kingdom and loves others with generosity. 
Vital signs in a church are evident to show that a church is healthy and moving forward. We have to have the right setup in order to prepare God's people for works of service, but we also have to have the right mindset and the right heart set so that we can support the work of the kingdom. Now, I know people are going to automatically jump to this and go, oh, great, we're going to talk about giving. Guess what? You're right. All right? We're going to talk about giving, but I want to talk about this. Here's, here's the reality of what I want to talk about. I want to talk about generosity. Okay, I could throw out all the legalistic paradigms that you're going to think about, and I'm going to talk about a little bit about the tithe, but I want you to think about what it means to have a generous heart. Because generosity, in reality, is an absurd thought. Think about it. Being generous is absurd. Why should I be generous? Why should I give people... Matter of fact, in today's world, let's, let's be honest, generosity is like in the red. Most of us are operating in the red and we're not willing to give generosity to anybody. There's a negative balance in generosity in our world. Generosity has gone out the door. Why? Because I'm worried about myself. And that's the reality. Whether you want to talk politics, finances, viewpoints, morality, and everything else, generosity is gone. And what I'm challenging you to think about is this, that generosity should flow out of the heart of a healthy believer because generosity is something God gave me while I was not deserving it. Because while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That's the generosity that God gave as an example from the very get-go, is that you and I don't pay for what we rightly earned. Rather, Jesus paid for what we earned so that we can walk literally, listen, scot-free, holy, righteous, and redeemed by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross and by his resurrection that offers us life. Do you see the beauty of that? The reason God calls us to be generous is because he was first and foremost generous above all things that we could ever understand. So a healthy church generously supports the work of the kingdom because the work of the kingdom says... You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn God's grace. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing you can do that's going to buy God's love. Why? Because God's love has already surpassed everything that you can ever ask or imagine. Because the Bible is very clear for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's generosity lived out. So here's the question. If a healthy church generously supports the work of the kingdom and loves others with generosity, then the question is this. Why should I or why should we give generously? And I believe that there are three things that we see throughout this text that's going to help us understand what's going on. Number one is this. I believe that generosity leads to blessing. When I am generous to other people, it leads to a blessing. Whether that's giving them money or giving them time or helping them through a situation or, listen, even just listening. When I am generous with what goes on there, it leads to a blessing that you may or may not experience if you decided to neglect it. If you decided not to give to somebody, matter of fact, on uh, Thursday night, uh, we had the Great Commission Conference this weekend. On Thursday night, uh, me and some of the guys I work with went over to Freddy's across from Midwestern Seminary. We're sitting there, and we're meeting. We're planning on having a meeting, and there's a dude that's homeless right there. 
So I bought him some food, and then he, he came and sat down with us. Like, like he's like, boom, sits down. And so we started talking. And we had all kinds of talk. I mean, I could have just neglected him. I could have said, you know what, man, I, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. You know, we're supposed to be meeting here, and we don't really get together much because we're all over the state, and we're supposed to be meeting here, but you're kind of cramping our style. No. What was funny is we, me and one other guy, neglected, to a certain extent, neglected the people that we were with, and we focused on him. And we loved on him, and we talked to him. We didn't have, he's like, man, can you guys give me 100 bucks? Man, I ain't got 100 bucks. He's like, I, I, I got to find a job. I'm like, dude, okay, here's the deal. I gave him my card. I said, give me a call. I'll take you around. I'll get you a job. We'll help you find a job. He's like, I got nowhere to live. I got, I'm like, dude, I, I got to hook up at FedEx. I'm like, I'll get you a job at FedEx. Are your records clean? Yep, my record's clean. I'm like, I'll get you a job at FedEx. You're a good worker? I'm, I'll work my tail off. I can't find a job. He's like, I can't get a place to, I can't get a ride to get a job. And I'm like, give, I give him my card. Give me a call. I'll help you out. I bought him dinner. But generosity is something that leads to a blessing. Now, I don't know where that's going. It may not go anywhere. He may never call me. I don't know. But generosity leads to a blessing. And so I have up here this chalkboard. I want to kind of think about from a financial standpoint, understanding that if this is a, a really bad attempt at a mountain or a really bad attempt at, a, at an iceberg, all right? All right? But I want you to think about this. If this is God's blessing, all right, in other words, God has a mountain of blessing he wants to give to you. Matter of fact, God's blessing can overflow. I'm not just talking finances. See, your name it, claim it dudes will be like, if you just gave 10%, you're going to get $100,000. I'm not going to tell you that. Because you may only be able to give a certain portion, and the promise is not that you're going to get rich financially. The promise is that you're going to get rich with the blessings God gives you whether that's friendships, spiritual influence and impact. But if this is God's blessing, all right, and it starts off in this way, I believe that a lot of us are operating right up here. This is all we experience. And maybe some of you, it's even less. Maybe it's up here. And here's the reason why. If you look in this, it says, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. See, the reality is that we receive God's blessing when out of the love for Christ, we obey his teachings, and we act out of the overflow of our heart. So if I want to receive God's blessings, if I want to understand and, and, and see what's going on, we have to begin to understand that God operates and wants to bless every believer, every person. And he's given you every measure by which he can pour out his blessing to you. Some financial, some's going to be relational, some's going to be all kinds of ways with rich in blessings and family and everything else. God wants to pour out the blessing upon you when you sow generously. If you sow sparingly, you're only going to reap sparingly. And that's why I said most of us operate up here because really what we do is when we sow, we sow just enough to get by. Oh, God asked for 10%? I'll give him four. You know how hard it is to make ends meet today, Brian? Well, yeah, I know. I'm right there with you. A matter of fact, for those of you who have been here since the get-go, those of you who hired me 
know that I took, I took a $30,000 pay cut coming here. And I'm not making this all about money, but I took a $30,000 pay cut coming here because God called me to. And I'm not neglecting, I'm not on people. I want you to understand that the truth of the matter is if God calls you to it, he will always provide. It may not look like the way you thought it would look, but God will always provide. When I give 10%, that 10% is 10% of what I have. So off the top, if I'm going to give 10%, I'm opening up a door to say, God, I'm, I'm being obedient with 10 I'm being obedient with what I have, and, and I know it may not be much. Listen to me. If you're a person who says, look, I don't make en- enough money. I don't make much money. Listen, God's not worried about the amount of money. God's worried about the heart condition with which you give, that if you sow generously, you will also reap generously because that's what he wants to do. When you show that you're faithful with a little, a little time, a little effort, When you're faithful with the small things, you know what God shows out? He says, you're faithful with the little things, I'm going to give you more. And that may be financial. That may be spiritual. It may be influential. It's all kinds of things that play out here. So if I want to receive God's blessings, I always look at it this way, and I told you it was kind of like a mountain, but it's also like an iceberg. Most of us operate in the aspect that we say, hey, hey, God, man, we, we want that. But they always say the icebergs, like 90% of the iceberg is underwater. And so here's how most of us operate. We operate on this idea that we're just trying to stay afloat. God, I'm just trying to stay afloat. We don't see what's going on under the water. God's saying, I want to pour out this blessing. We're like, well, yeah, but I got a car payment. I got school. I got a house. Heck, I got to go out to eat. I got to date my wife. Or maybe I got to buy gifts for my girlfriend because I'm still trying to earn her trust. Um, you know, I, I, what else do we have? We've got all kinds of things that we got. We got movies and entertainment. And we sit here and we go, I'm just trying to stay afloat. And you're asking me to think about the blessing down here? But the reality is this. When I faithfully give financially or I faithfully give emotionally and spiritually to people because of a generosity thing, generosity leads to God's blessing. Most of us look right here and we're like, are you kidding me? Do you see the side? You're asking me to give 10%. That's a mountain on this water that I'm going to have to go around. And God says, when you give me the 10%, I'm going to show you what it's like to be blessed. And so, look, when we can talk finances, and I know I told you I'm not going to overwhelm you with this, but I think there are a couple things we see here. Number one, there are two reasons we give in these first four verses in 6 through 10. Number one is this. If we sow sparingly spiritually, we're going to reap sparingly spiritually. If we sow generously, we're going to reap generously. But also, listen to what it says. God loves generosity. When I am a person of generosity, God loves it. It literally says that God loves a cheerful giver. And this is the one thing I always tell everybody. If you come in grudgingly, if you come in and you're like, oh, I've got to give. I'm going to slam it down. I just, I'm going to give because he tells me to give. Dude, hold it. Don't give. Please don't give. And the reason why I say that is this, because it says that when you give grudgingly, it's not a sacrifice God desires. 
Matter of fact, all throughout the Old Testament, when people would make sacrifices that were unholy, God's like, I don't need your sacrifice. See, the reality is generosity is an overflow of the heart because God has done a work inside of us. So when I'm generous with my time to those who are in need, generosity is an outflow of what God has done in me because when I was in need, somebody gave me time. So generosity leads to blessing. See, the size of the harvest corresponds to the scope of sowing, right? I mean, the reality is that the man or a man, a person could enjoy all of what he planted, right? Like, I'm going to reap my harvest and I'm going to eat it all and I'm not going to share with anybody. What happens in the next year? He's got nothing. You want to know why? Because he didn't keep back a portion for the seed so that he could plant a bigger, more bountiful harvest. See, that's the way most of us approach it. Well, I'll just, I'm going to take it all. Hold on just a second. When you take it all, you remove the opportunity of the blessing for a bigger, more bountiful harvest. I hope you see that picture played out here. In everything, I should be generous. Why? Because generosity leads to blessing. Listen to again what he says. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then listen to verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. That's everything. In everything that you need grace, whether financial, whether spiritual, whether it's emotional, maybe it's in job and in business, it says that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and at all times having all that you need. Matter of fact, you can look at your neighbor and say, you know what, I got all I need. You can do that. Oh yeah, right, I got one person. Literally, you have to understand, you have all you need. The problem is, a lot of us approach it from once. I want this. And here's the big struggle. When we steal the 10% to get what we want, we miss out on the 90% of the blessing that God wants to give you. Because God wants to pour his blessing out upon you in every way he can. And when I'm faithful with the little, he's going to give me more. He's going to pour out his blessing on me. So listen, when I give to that young gentleman, like I said on Thursday night, I didn't go, well, God, I'm expecting to reap a bountiful harvest. You know what? I may or may not never see the fruit of that. It's not on me. Why? Because I plant a seed. God waters the seed. Somebody else may see it grow. I have no clue. It may never grow. I have no clue on that either. But generosity leads to the blessing of seeing God work in somebody's life. Because listen to what he says in verse 9. As it is written, he is scattered abroad. Listen, his gifts to the poor. In other words, those of you who have money, he scattered us out around the world so that we can be a blessing to somebody else. He's scattered abroad. His gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. The beauty of generosity in action is simply that, that when we obey God, when we're trusting God with the small things, he's going to pour out his blessing in the large things. See, here's the law of investment. Generosity is an absurd action, which is what I say, on our part, but it requires faith, doesn't it? 
Being generous requires faith to believe that God can do more with the 10% than I can do with all 100%. God can take the 10% aspect and do more with that 10% than I can ever do with the 100. And so I'm going to use this very simple illustration for hopefully you to kind of understand what's going on. I've got here 10 dimes. It's not very much money. It's a dollar. I'm going to show you the aspect. God says, give me 10. Can you see that? Probably can't see it. You're too low. You get the 90. You can see that, right? It's a little small. Maybe just a little bit larger. I'm going to show you. We got 10 quarters here. 10 quarters. Wow, $2.50. God says, give me 10. Put that dime on top of it. You get the 90. See the quarters? Well, we got $3.35 there. Okay. A little bit smaller, a little bit larger. God says, give me 10. It's one orange. I got 10 oranges. What's, what's the deal? This is pretty small, isn't it? All right. So we got 10 apples, right? God says, give me one apple. Uh-oh. That one's going to have a bruise on it. I'll give you 10, or you got the other nine. Oh, those are all going to have a bruise on them. Kids are eating soft apples. That's pretty small, isn't it? It's pretty insignificant, isn't it? The reality is God's saying, I can do more with this than you could do with all of it. Maybe it's not that. I wish I had grain, but I don't have grain. But if he said, hey, you got a bushel of grain. There's one bushel of grain. I get all these bushels stacked up on top, right? God says, give me the 10, and you can do more with the 90 than you'll ever do with all 100. This is a pretty small, insignificant amount of anything, right? But God is saying that generosity flows right here. It starts at the beginning. And listen, I know, I know everybody has been taught differently and raised in different ways, but I can tell you this from the get-go. My parents always taught us the 10-10-80 principle. 10% tithe, 10% savings, 80% the rest. When I was 30 years old and we started investing, now we had paid off college, we paid off all our seminary, we had no debt other than when we bought our house, and I went to the guy and I said, hey, we need to start investing for retirement, and this is what I got. And he goes, dude, you're 30 you're ahead of 95% of the people. I'm like, we got like 2,000 bucks. And he's like, like I said, you're ahead of 95% of the people who are 30 years old who don't have more than $2,000 in the bank. And I went, oh, what? Are you kidding me? And listen, the world is going to tell you, you don't need to do this. Matter of fact, I'll even tell you that there are pastors who will tell you, no, you don't need to worry about the tithe. That's an Old Testament principle. Show me anywhere in Scripture where God lowered the standard once he got into the New Testament. Never did. Why? Because generosity is an overflow of the heart. So 10% to me is the beginning point. And I'll even say this. Sarah and I were talking about this a long time ago. There was a, a, a thing, and, and we'll probably start this back up. There was a small group curriculum we did called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not by a guy named Joel Sangle, who was a pastor out in North, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, or somewhere like that, one of those states. But he says, you have to budget generosity. Do you know what we do in our physical budget? We budget generosity. And I'm not talking about I take from my 10% 
to go and do something else. See, 10% to me goes directly to the storehouse, directly to the church. We give that. Matter of fact, we'll, we'll give above and beyond that when it comes to other things. But 10% goes directly to the church. And then if I want to give, we support a world vision child. We support a number of things like that. That comes out of what we budgeted. When we give to somebody who's homeless or we try and meet somebody's need or somebody in the church says, hey, look, we're, we're on hard times and we want to give to that, guess what? We do that. That's not out of my 10%. I don't go, well, you know what? I guess we got to steal from the church to give some money away. No. And generosity leads to the blessing that I get to see. Why? Here's the reason why. Number one, I may be blessed financially. God may take my 10% and turn it into something greater than I could ever imagine. But what I found ironic is every time that we were in tight situations, poor college students, God always seemed to provide. Matter of fact, you can ask, the year we got married, we made $18,000 together, my wife and I. We're college students. $18,000 between the two of us. So I want to hear your sob stories, because we paid $450 a month for rent, we paid our insurance, we paid our gas, we paid off $10,000 in school loans. Now, I did the math, and I've done this, I've used this illustration before. I did the math, it doesn't add up. We made $18,000 according to taxes. We paid our tithe. We paid off $10,000 in school loans. Now, if you figure $450 a month plus insurance and everything else, it does not add up. Never did. And all I can say is like, huh, well, that's weird. Must be a God thing. Because that's what happened. And it happened year after year while we were trying to be faithful and said, God, look, you know what? We figure you can do more with the 10% than we can do with Almighty. Generosity starts or leads to blessing. See, and here's the truth of this. And I'm, I'm going to wrap up with the last two real quick. But I want you to see this. The truth of this is this. Our problem when it comes to generosity and money is your God's too small. Money has become your God. And when money is your God, your God is way too small because God goes, money, you guys don't understand a thing. I own everything. It says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything on the earth is the Lord's and, 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 and every, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You think you're doing a great job. I'm like, look, God, I gave you 10%. God's like, great, I own it all. A matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but verse 18 says this, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Generosity leads to God's blessing. If you have a good job, you shouldn't go, man, look, I work harder than everybody else. You should be like, man, the Lord has blessed me with a good job. The Lord has given me the ability to have a great work ethic and bosses who love me and who take care of me. And I have, I have those opportunities. It is a blessing from the Lord. Number two is this. Why should we give generously? Number two, because generosity meets others' needs as well as ours. Look at verse 11 and 12. He says, you will be made rich in every way. Richness does not just mean financial richness. You may be rich in generous actions. You may be rich in love. You may be rich in compassion. You may be rich in, in, in honestly, smarts, 
financial smarts, the ability to coach people to be financially savvy. You may be rich in spiritual benefits. There's a reason why some are called to be teachers. That's God's richness and blessing being poured out on you because he wants to use you in a great way. If you're faithful with the small things, he is faithful with even larger things. See, you have the need to be generous. Generosity was instilled in you by God. Why? Because he was generous first and foremost, so he plants that seed in your heart. Generosity is an overflow of what God did. And see, listen, when he says we will be made rich, it's not an amount, does he? He doesn't say you're going to be financially loaded. No. You will be made rich in every way. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be loaded with money, but I'm going to realize the blessings and the richness with which God has poured out his love upon me. His blessings are overwhelming. His blessings overcome even the deepest, darkest struggles that I face on a daily basis. God says, I want to pour out the blessings. You give me the 10, and remember, look at how small that is compared to this. I hope that just makes a small, significant dent in what you think about, because when I'm generous with the 10, the 90 becomes more than I could ever understand, because he multiplies it. Listen, you, give, you giving supplies the needs of God's people, but it also is an overflowing in the expression of thanks to God. Listen to what he says. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, here's the truth of the matter. When I am generous in my actions... It's not to boast and build me up. It should only point to one person. It should point to the thanksgiving and blessing of God. Generosity meets others' needs, but it also meets my needs. And listen to verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Here's the beauty of what takes place when we are faithful and generous with what God has blessed us with, whether finances, spiritual influence, and things like that, is this, that God multiplies it out. And as a result, God gets the thanks and God gets the glory. Listen, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, like some televangelist up here, that you have to give to this so that you could be loaded and drive a Rolls Royce or a Tesla or whatever else it is. I'm not telling you that. Because you may be like the widow who says, look, all I got, I'm giving you all I got. The widow in Scripture who had two coins, and she comes in and she gave them both. And God said, who gave more, the widow or this guy? It was the widow. It's not about the amount you give. You can't go, well, if I could just give a hundred bucks instead of a dollar. If a dollar is 10%, you started a dollar. We teach our kids that right now. When they get given their allowance, we got three envelopes. 10% tithe, 10% savings, 80% to do with what you want. And what I've found is that 80% burns a hole in their pocket. Ethan went and worked his tail off the other day when it snowed. He's like, Dad, I made 40 bucks. I'm like, sweet, can I spend it? No. Why? 
I just earned it. Because you, you got to wait, dude. I'm trying to teach you. Be, be patient. You don't have to go and spend it right away. And I know that's probably hard. Some of you are like, well, it's just 40 bucks. You do what he, want, what he wants with it. Oh, wait. Well, did he tithe first? Everything that we make, we tithe on. Why? You can say it's being legalistic. I don't believe it's being legalistic. I'm just saying, God, you gave it to me because it's already yours. I'm just giving it back. And you be faithful with the little things, and God will bless you with the big things. Number three is this. How or why should we give generously? I said, number one, we should give generously because it leads to blessing. Number two, generosity meets other needs as well as ours. Number three is this, that generosity leads to the worship of God. When we are generous people, it leads to the praise and worship and glory of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. The truth of the matter is this, that generosity is a gospel issue. Listen now what he says in starting in verse 13. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that, listen, accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, if I am not generous, if I am not obedient, then my obedience does not accustom or follow or latch onto the gospel of Christ. The gospel is first and foremost in everything I do. So the gospel should dictate how I operate financially. The gospel should dictate how I respond at work. The gospel dictates every portion, every part of my life. The good news of Jesus Christ should be the first thing upon everything that you do. So the reason we give is not out of compulsion, the reason we give is not out of pressure. It's not even out of the fact that we were taught by my parents that way. The reason we give is because I believe it reflects the gospel first and foremost, and that's what Jesus was all about. The gospel is central in everything that we do. The good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus did not stay dead, that Jesus paid the penalty that I couldn't pay. He rose again, defeating sin, defeating death, and he stands before us, stands or sits even at the right hand of the Father, waiting for us, calling to us, saying, put your faith and trust in me. That is the gospel. And so the generosity leads to the worship of God, and that's my point. So when I give to the church, the reason I give is not to support my own salary, which, by the way, for those of you who don't know, I don't get paid from the church. The reason I give is because I want the gospel to go forward. I want the good news of Jesus Christ to be made known, not just in Independence or Blue Springs or Lee Summit or Kansas City, but around the world. And I hope you see the beauty of how when we get involved with what God does, God says, give me the 10. If you give me the 10, I'm going to pour out the blessing. When I'm faithful with the little things, I'm going to give you more. And hear me out. This is one of those things. For those of you who have been in the church for years, especially maybe this church, when we're faithful with the 10, with the group that we have, God says, I'll multiply it if you're faithful to the gospel. Churches that die, die for a reason. They've neglected this. You may give financially, but you don't really care about the gospel moving forward. Because if you cared about the gospel moving forward, you'd take the gospel out to your neighbors. Churches that are thriving, that are healthy, that are obedient, the reason they receive God's blessing, the reason they grow is because they're faithful with the little things. 
So if we're faithful with the little things, and I'm not saying that the church is going to be 1,000 or 1,500 or 2,000. Listen, every church, though, should be reaching people with the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is for all people that all who hear the message would have a chance to respond because the Bible is very clear that the Lord is patient, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to believe. So when I'm faithful with that 10%, I am supporting the ministry and work of the church that leads people to faith through Christ or in Christ. Generosity leads to the worship of God. Listen to how he says, and he wraps it up with this. Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And then jump to verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The reason I give, the reason I'm generous is because I can't outgive God. God gave the greatest gift and there is no way that I will ever outgive God. God loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And Jesus was obedient to the Father. Even at one point saying, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? But yet he stayed. And he died. And he bore the weight and the burden of my sins because I'm a sinner. All of us are sinners. Whether you like it or not, you're a sinner. You didn't have to be taught to do bad things. You didn't have to be taught to walk in a bad direction. You didn't have to be taught to break God's laws or God's commandments. You didn't have to be taught any of that stuff. It's just a natural overflow. But the beauty of it is that Jesus stayed. He died. And when he died, he went to the grave. And he battled just what we sang in that song earlier. He took the battle to Satan. And he battled death. And he battled sin. And he defeated it all. And he rose again. The generosity of the gospel is why I give. It's why I cheerfully give. Because I know that I can't outgive God. There's no way I could ever repay him for the kind of debt he paid for me. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have the band come up and we're gonna we're gonna close with this song. But as they close with this song. We're going to do our offering, and here, here's, here's the reason. This is not out of compulsion, again, not out of compulsion. Here's the reason why we're doing this is because offering is an act of worship. And I hope you realize that, that when the plate is passed, it's you acting in a worshipful manner saying, God, I know, look, this may be my last dollar, but I know you can do more with this one dollar than I can do with the other nine I got in my billfold or even if I had all 10. So I'm going to pray. We're going to do our offering. And again, please, if you cannot give cheerfully, you feel with a heavy heart and a burden that I cannot give cheerfully, I'm going to ask you to hold on to your money. Don't give. Please don't give. But if you can give cheerfully, knowing that this is just a simple act of worship, that I'm being obedient and pouring out my heart and saying, God, take the small amount, how small and insignificant it be, and you multiply it then that's how we want you to give. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ while we're singing, we want to talk to you about it. We'd love to pray with you. Feel free to come up here. You can talk with me. If you have any prayers that you want somebody to pray with, we can pray over. But I'm going to pray. We're going to do our offering, and we're going to close with the song. As soon as the song's done, you'll be dismissed. All right?
For those of you who are sticking around for the business meeting, come back in, go get your kids, come back in. We'll finish up fairly quickly, and then you'll be dismissed as well. So let's pray, and uh, you respond how God's leading you to respond. Father, I know at times, especially if you're first time, for somebody who hasn't been very much, that when you talk about money, it can be a big turnoff. And God, I thank you for the fact that you did not require money to earn salvation. You don't require us to pay the price that we can't pay. But you ask us to just show us, to show our obedience, to show our faith, that we know that you can do so much more with just the little that we can give than we can ever do with all that we have taken in. God, we thank you for the true act of generosity that we saw in Jesus on the cross crucified for the sins of the world, for my sins. And my sins held him there, and he stayed there because of his love and generous action that he wanted to carry out. But God, I thank you for his generosity because his generosity led to the greatest payment I could ever get, and that is eternal life. And I didn't do anything to earn it, but it's just simply by God's grace that his resurrection from the death, from death, for his resurrection from the grave, offers me life. And so, God, I thank you for that. And so we give out of the overflow of our heart. May we be people who are generous in our actions. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.